Great. Well, very nice to be with you today. And uh, for those of you I've already met, good that you've come back and well done. That's courageous. Uh, and for those of you I haven't met yet, very nice to actually meet you. And uh, today, um, wanting us to look at a passage. I don't know if you've thought about it. It's like, like when you're this team preacher, you usually choose one of those like plum passages that have got 900 amazing things that you can say from them. And uh, they're like obvious choices for gatherings like this. This is not one of those passages. You'll probably say, why did you choose that for today? Uh, but I've been thinking a lot about the questions that Jesus asks. And I don't know if you've ever thought about the role of questions, the role of questions in leadership. Maybe you've thought about the way politicians respond to questions. Like you ask a politician a question and you notice like it's a good politician, they will never answer the question. <laughs> they, they will somehow very quickly manage to, to answer the question they think that you should have asked. And they'll turn it around. But here's the thing. Like there's a little bit of Jesus in that. Like we're going to be looking at some of the questions Jesus asks and the way he goes about asking them. And think about what that says maybe for our own leadership, the way we interact with other people. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. So, let's start with a little game of Trivial Pursuit. Like, I don't know if you're into Trivial Pursuit or not, but there are lots of questions that Jesus gets asked in the Gospels. And I'm wanting to see if there's anyone here who knows how many questions Jesus is asked. So, so now, now, now listen, some of you are theologians, like in the back, I know Ian's like, and Daniel, because he was one of our students, like super smart people, but uh, strictly you can't really answer that question because like the Gospels are like repeats of one another, so sometimes they're the same questions. But like, don't be pedantic. How many questions is Jesus asked in the Gospels in terms of there's a question mark at the end of it? You, you, you going to have a stand? 139. 139, not a bad guess, uh, but go, 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 go a, little bit, a little bit north of that. 227. A little bit south. <laughs> 200. 200. 180. Anyone going to give me 183? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what, 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 what's your number? 183. No, wrong! <laughs> 184. Okay, so he gets, he, he gets asked these 184 questions. Much more interesting. How many of them does he answer directly? How many of them does just say, thank you for that question, here are the answers. Three. Actually, yes. It, it does depend on uh, who, you, which commentator you're referring to. But arguably, Jesus answers directly somewhere between three to eight questions directly. And it does depend what you mean. This is so annoying that my phone or something is doing something. It looks like you've taken a hard fall. <laughs> no, I haven't. And I don't need an emergency fall. I'm okay. Seriously, watch. I did not fall. <laughs> Obviously, you're much too charismatic here. Brian, Brian, maybe that was referring to the person who guessed 183. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The cup just collapsed. Right, okay. Now I've completely lost it. Lost, lost, lost my so, um, Jesus only directly answers questions somewhere between three to eight times. Uh, and in return, he asks 307 questions. Like, that's a lot of questions, isn't it? So, so you could say for every question that Jesus directly answers, 
he asks another 100 questions. That's a lot. Now, passage we're going to come to today, and as I said, so it's not one of those passages that you kind of think, oh, this is an obvious guest preacher passage. Um, but uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter seven, uh, Matthew chapter 15. If you've got Bibles with you, follow along. If you've got your phone, follow along. Just make sure it's your Bible app that you're looking at, not Facebook. But uh, feel, feel free to follow along. I'm reading from the NIV. So Matthew chapter 15, and I want you to notice the questions that come in here. Some of them are Jesus questions, some of them are questions from other people, and we're going to be looking at them today. So Matthew chapter 15, from verse 1, and we're going to go to verse 20. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. That's the opening question. Question from the Pharisees. Why don't you wash your hands? Good question. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Direct answer to the question? Obviously not. Like He just replies with another question. So Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me as a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to Manasseh, so this is the third question. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Lead them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. <laughs> Notice the fourth question. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a person unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make them unclean. Okay, there's the passage for us. Let's start looking at them. Let's start looking at these questions. So, if you've got, got verse one, 1 there in Matthew 15, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Okay, so they came from Jerusalem. Now, now, now just make a little notice of that. These Pharisees have come on a journey to where? Well, where is Jesus at this point in time? If you actually track the passage, he's, uh, he's, on, he's by Lake Galilee. He's on the northern shores of Galilee. What's the distance from Jerusalem to the northern shores of Lake Galilee? Answer, about 130 kilometers. Oh, that's a lovely easy drive, isn't it? It's kind of like going through to Austria and something like that. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Very scenic, very, very pleasant thing. I beg your pardon, this is the ancient world. How do you get there? You get there on foot. So how far can you go in an average day? Well, if you're kind of fit, and the Pharisees may or may not have been fit, you could, like at a stretch, you can do about 40 kilometers a day walking. Uh, so they have walked more than three days to ask Jesus some questions, and they're going to have to walk three days back, and the Sabbath day comes in between. So they've taken a week out of their busy schedule to ask Jesus some questions. Okay, why have they done that? 
Well, if you go a little bit further back and you go to Matthew chapter 12, the local Pharisees had asked Jesus some questions as well. And that question was, why do you allow your disciples to eat eat corn? Because they were kind of picking some, some heads of wheat on, on the Sabbath day. Why do you allow them to eat wheat on the Sabbath day? And Jesus had given an answer that the local Pharisees hadn't liked at all. And they were very fed up at the end of it. In fact, we told that they were planning to kill Jesus as a consequence. But they also realized that they'd been kind of publicly humiliated by Jesus because he was so much smarter than they were. And they thought, now's the time to bring in the heavy artillery. And so basically, this little passage here is head office coming through to Jesus. Like, like Jerusalem has been informed, we have a problem, we have a problem. We have an, a, a kind of upstart teacher who's going around teaching all kinds of strange things. You better come and sort it out. So, so they take it with utmost seriousness. And they do this journey of over three days there, and they'll be over three days back to actually get home again. And they're watching Jesus and his disciples. And they are, their intent is clear. We've got to get a gotcha moment because this upstart rabbi is just getting too big for his boots and there are too many people following him and this is getting quite dangerous. And then there is, there it is, it's like just a gift for them. They watch and Jesus' disciples eat and they don't do any ceremonial washing of their hands. And like that, this is too easy. Like, this is why we're in head office. Like, these local yokels can't sort out things. But head office, like, we've just found the perfect thing. We have caught Jesus and his disciples. Like, they're not following our law. And so here, their first question is, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So, so they asked the question, and then they make a statement, they don't do it. And like, it's very clear, this is not a curious question. This is not a question of, we're so interested, we'd love to know the answer because this is a fascinating question. It's actually a question that is a statement. You are wrong and we have got you. And who do you think you are? You're breaking our laws, you're breaking our, our traditions. This is not acceptable. Like you are no kind of rabbi. Thank you very much indeed. And Jesus, rather than kind of being in a kind of got kind of moment, uh, gives another question and reply. But before we actually get to his question, let's just say, like, these Pharisees who had come, they asked this, why do you break the tradition of the elders? So what are they talking about when they say the tradition of the elders? Well, it's... It's fairly easy to understand. You need to recognize that if you're Jewish, the most traumatic thing that happened in Jewish history happened around about the year 586 BC. Uh, the Babylonians came and they destroyed uh, the temple of Jerusalem and they took the people into, into captivity in Babylon. And they were in this 50-year exile. Uh, it was a horrendous period for them. And the collapse of Jerusalem, the collapse of the temple, like, it was just awful, awful, awful. But God in God's grace had allowed the people to return to the land, allowed them to rebuild, rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls of the city, like make a complete new start. But when they got back, they realized like something had gone badly wrong. We, why did God allow us this terrible suffering and exile? Why did God allow this to happen to us? And the answer they came with was because we didn't keep the law of God, because we weren't following God closely. It was a just punishment because we had wandered far from God. And therefore God did punish us and we were sent into exile. So what must we do? And the Pharisees at that day said, well, well, like, if you can like, break the law without actually even realizing it, how about we build, and they called it a hedge around the law. How about we build this, this like it's, it's here the law is, 
And then before you can actually get to the law, there, there's this tradition that's over here. And like, if you keep the tradition, you don't even get close to breaking the law. So, so to keep us safe from ever breaking God's law, why not develop a tradition around the law? And that includes things like ceremonial washing of hands. So, so, so part of the tradition that the Pharisees have built included things like, you know, wash your hands before you actually eat. And that was then the, 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 the tradition that starts to grow up around the law. And its intent was actually good. The intent was, we don't ever want to break the law of God again. How do we make sure we never do that? Well, you actually create a whole other other layer of rules and regulations that mean you don't even get close to breaking the law, thank you very much. And included in that were, like there was always the Sabbath law, but then there came a whole lot of additional things into Sabbath. What did it mean to keep the Sabbath? And so there were bizarre things that actually took place. Uh, for example, one of the Sabbath laws that, that, that grew up in the tradition was, and this may sound a little bit grotesque, but it's the Sabbath day. Your mouth has filled with saliva. What should you do? Should you spit or should you swallow? Like, which is the least work to do? I mean, this, this, this was the level of the debate that was taking place. Like, because you don't want to ever work on the Sabbath, so kind of figure out what's the least work. Much more disturbingly, it's the Sabbath day. Someone collapses in front of you. You look at them and you know it's the Sabbath, I'm not supposed to work. Should you try to help that person? Well, what's the least work? Well, actually, said the rabbis, make a quick judgment. Do you think the person's going to die? Answer, yes, leave them alone. Because if, you, if they're going to die, then don't get involved. Because they're going to die anyway, and you would have been working, and would have been futile working, and you're just wasting your time. If your answer is, perhaps, if I do some extraordinary St. John's uh, CP, CPR or, or, or something like that, perhaps I'll be able to revive them, uh, then the answer is yes, you can work, but like, if there's not a fighting chance that you're going to be successful, like you would have worked on the Sabbath, but you would have saved a life, so that's okay. Kind of, it's even Stevens, like that, 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 that's okay. So, so do you get what I'm saying? How, like there was the Sabbath law, but then there was this whole tradition, this edge around the law that, 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 that grew up. That the Pharisees prayed because they said it would be a terrible thing to actually break the law of God. Now, their question to Jesus then is as, as we come here, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, so question number two, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Okay, so do, do you see what Jesus is saying here? He said, yes, you think you're very clever in this tradition that you've created. But do you realize that you're actually breaking the law of God by the tradition that, 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 that you've created? That the very thing that's supposed to prevent you from, from breaking the law is actually causing you to do that. And he flicks back an example. And it's a, it's a telling example, and let's just think about it. It's, it's an example where he says, you know that the law says you must honor your father and your mother. And you know that the law says that anyone who curses their parents should be put to death. Like, I mean, these are strong things that the law says. And the law basically says, you've got to honor parents, and you've got to look after them, you've got to care for them. So tell me, says Jesus, tell me how you Pharisees have come up, and in your tradition that you developed, you thought, yes, actually, you're quite right, you do have to honor parents, but you also have to honor the temple, and you also have to provide for the temple, and you also have to provide for God. So sometimes you have a split allegiance, don't you? Because you have a pull in who, who you're responsible to. Must you provide for your parents, or must you provide for the temple? Answer, you should provide for both. What if you you can't provide for both. Ah, said the Pharisees, the temple trumps parents. Thank you. So if you're able to say, here's my house, 
and it's filled with these beautiful plates and it's filled with these beautiful bowls and they're there and my parents don't have any plates and bowls like you would think that I would have to give them some of my plates and bowls but how about I get out of that by saying these are for God like in our house I use them for God thank you very much and then parents you can go and get lost thank you very much like my I'm not responsible because my my obligation to the temple is higher than my obligation to you or how about with my money I say like everyone's going to give some money for 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 the temple. Parents, you need some money from me. You, 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 you're destitute. But uh, I plan to give this money to the temple. Sometime, someday, whenever. But nevertheless, it's for God. Thank you. And therefore, I can't give it to you. Like says Jesus, that's disgusting. And how come have you allowed that? And your tradition allows you to break the law. Like, what's actually going on here? And he's, he's very scared. And you can imagine that the Pharisees don't like that very much. And uh, as Jesus carries on, notice how the passage goes. So, verse 3, Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might receive, might otherwise have received from me as a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. It's a word Jesus actually uses quite often. You hypocrites. Like how you are the ones who benefit from those laws while other people suffer. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, but their teachings are but rules taught by men. Then notice what happens. Verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Jesus called the crowd to him, and then he starts to answer the question. So, 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 so do you see what's been happening here? The question is asked, why aren't you washing your hands? Why are you breaking the law with your traditions, Jesus counters? And then, then Jesus just ignores the Pharisees and says, right, crowd, and there were thousands of people there. Let me talk to you about what does and doesn't actually make you clean or unclean. And so he does actually answer the question, not to the people who asked it. It's, it's like he's almost saying, you aren't worth being spoken to because you're just hypocrites and you're not actually looking for an answer. But lest anyone in the crowd is actually interested, here is what my answer is. It is not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It is what goes, comes out of you. That's the test of whether you are or aren't clean. So it's an interesting little exchange that's taken place here. Let's come though then to the third question. And it's, a, it's an intriguing little question. And this question gets asked by the disciples. Verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Like, Jesus, like, are you reckless? Are you suicidal? What do you think you're actually doing? This is head office. Thank you very much. These people have come all the way from Jerusalem. They come all this way to ask a question. You refuse to actually answer, answer their, 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 their question. You make them look awkward. You make them look embarrassed. Like, you're being silly here. Like, oh, do, you, do you actually want to get crucified? In fact, that's the way you're going. Like, the previous set of Pharisees, the local yokels, they plan to kill you. These people have the power to actually do it. Be very careful, Jesus. Be careful. You are treading an explosive territory. And how much attention does Jesus pay to that? Absolutely none. <laughs> I don't care how important you say they are. They're wrong. 
I'm not actually going to change my message because some people seem to be just a little bit more important and people say, you know, they're amazing people and they hold so much power. I mean, listen to how Jesus replies to them. And it's a reply that we need to hear as well. Do you know that Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Like Jesus quite dismissive. Like, I don't care how much power they think they have. Like, they're not the people that are speaking for God. Don't be overwhelmed by position. Don't be overwhelmed by prestige. And my goodness, we need to remember that today as well. Because so often we are like, oh my goodness, you are from Jerusalem. You are a politician. You are a this. You are a that. You are a wealthy person. You're, no, no, no. Says Jesus, don't. Like, listen to what people say. And evaluate it on the basis of what they're saying and whether they're following what God is actually saying. Don't follow blind guides. They, they will not lead you in a good direction. And then let's come to the heart of it. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Explain the parable to us. And what do you make of Jesus' response? Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. I mean, this is not super polite, is it? Like, I mean... Peter's been like listening to this and the disciples have been listening to this and they're like, we're not quite sure what's going on here. We think you've treated these people very rudely. Uh, we're getting a little anxious. Um, like, shouldn't we just wash our hands? Like, explain to us what you say. Like, like seriously, if, it, like, if all it takes to calm them down is to wash our hands, we'll, we'll wash our hands, thank, thank you. And, and actually, from the 21st century, like, please do. Like, I mean, it's actually a very good idea. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel in this particular debate. Don't you feel like, actually, Jesus, I'm not sure you've got a strong point here. Like, you're in fairly dodgy territory. Like, it is actually a good thing to wash your hands. There's nothing actually wrong with that. Like, please do, especially if you're after going to the bathroom. Thank you. Uh, and let's move on. And so, so as the question goes on, Peter comes and says, explain to us. We, we lost. We don't know what's going on here. And Jesus said, are you still so dull? How does that fit together with your portrait of gentle Jesus, meek and mild? Like, he's just so nice and he's so kind to everyone. He's so loving. And, oh, he's still so dull. Like, why well, so switched off? Thank you very much. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I think Jesus was actually very exasperated because he was saying, don't you understand? This is following God 101. You've been with me now for almost three years and you still somehow think that it's external things that defile you. Don't you realize that what happens externally does not define who you are? It is what you make of what comes into you that actually counts. Don't you remember? They came to us and they said to us, you know, how could you really be a good man? You mix with tax collectors. You go to parties. You drink alcohol. You, you talk to prostitutes. Like, you, like, do you remember those accusations came to Jesus? You must be unclean because these things have happened to you. And Jesus has to say, it is not. It is not those external things. You, you are not guilted by association. You don't suddenly become unclean because you spoke to someone who maybe has a view that you don't disagree. Those things do not make you unclean. What, what comes out of you, that shows who you are. It's, it's pause and think for that for, 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 for a while. I, I grew up in South Africa, apartheid South Africa. And uh, Nelson Mandela was, for most of my childhood, was, was in prison. And uh, he is born into 
Pardet. Well, in fact, when he was born in Pardet, he wasn't introduced, was introduced in 1948, and Mandela was born a number of years before that, but during his lifetime, Pardet gets, gets, gets introduced. And there's this, just this systemic racism that goes right through the society. And Mandela reacts against that, and rightly so. And out of his reaction, he gets thrown into prison for 27 years. So what has gone into him? What has gone into him has been racism, has been injustice, has been systemic oppression, has been like I mean, these all these awful things that, you, that 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 have gone into him. And what would you think would therefore come out of him? You would think that what would come out of him would be bitterness, would be violence, would be like getting revenge, would be never forgive and never forget. Like like you would think that that would happen, but it doesn't. Instead, Mandela comes out as a peacemaker. Never saying that what happened was right, but saying that the way forward is through peace and through reconciliation. Why does he do that? Because actually he's getting what Jesus says. That what happens to you doesn't have to shape what comes out of you. Like here my disciples are, yes, they haven't washed their hands. Yes, they might eat a few bits of dirt and maybe they're eating some grass and maybe they, who knows, what they might actually pick up along the way because they didn't wash their hands. But that is not going to define who they are. Like, you define who you are and you allow what comes out of you to come out of you. So, so here's the thing Jesus is saying. Like, when you are treated unfairly, like, how are you going to respond? How are you going to say, actually, you know, I will be bitter forever, thank you. No, no. There's no reason why that has to be your response. If it is, then an unclean response is coming out of you because it didn't have to happen that way. What about if you are treated unfairly at work and maybe you lose your job or maybe someone cheats on you or maybe someone steals something from you or maybe someone says something against you that's, that's terribly unfair. I mean, all those are things that come into us and, and you know what? They happen to most of us in the course of life. And we can so often and so easily say, because that happened, that's the reason I am a bitter and cynical person. That is the reason I would be a forgiving person, but someone gave me something to forgive. So, you know, that's just far too much. Thank you very much. See, I would, I would do that, but they did that and they did that. What goes into you does not defile you. And we all have things that come into us that we would far prefer never, ever happened. We all have those things. But says Jesus, if you're going to be a God follower, recognize that it's up to you what comes out and what sees you truly, most truly keeping the law. And will you forgive? And will you trust that God can bring good from it? You see, that happens in Jesus' own life. You think about the cross. What, what goes into Jesus? I mean, he comes, this extraordinary journey from, from, from God's home to this planet, and he lives amongst us, and he only does good, and he heals people, and, he, and their miracles. And in his lifetime, what does he have to put up with? Like endless people pushing back. You know, Pharisees coming all the way from Jerusalem because he's been what? Healing people. I mean, seriously, this is, this is annoying. But it goes much more than that. I mean, he gets arrested. He gets spat upon. He gets beaten. He gets crucified. What goes into all those terrible, terrible, terrible things? And what comes out? Father, forgive, for they do not know what they do. What comes out of him? Resurrection life. What comes out of him? 
hope and forgiveness for us all. Says Jesus, like, you're obsessing about you didn't wash your hands properly. That happened to you. That does not define who you are. What defines who you are is in the end whether you look deeply inside yourself and you say, I will trust God and the God of hope and the God of resurrection and the God of a new start can make something new and beautiful come from this. And so, in the questions of Jesus, maybe the question you asked of Jesus is, why did you allow that to happen? And I don't think Jesus would say, are you still so dull? Not if you say it with the pain that you might feel because of what's happened. But I think Jesus would say, you do realize that does not define you. It does not define you. But what you make of it and how you work with it and whether you receive my forgiveness and whether you confer forgiveness to others, that, that determines whether you are a good person following me or not. And so there they are, the questions of Jesus. For the Pharisees, the level of question is, why don't you wash your hands? For Jesus, it's, why are you using your traditions to actually break the law? Because the heart of the law is to do good. And if you aren't doing good to your parents, well, then that's not good. And if you're not doing, if you're not doing good in the world, that's, that's the heart of the law. And the questions of so many of us are, do you realize how important the people are asking these questions? And the question of Jesus is, please stop being so dull. Recognize that I'm there in everything. And I can bring good, even from your most broken moments. Why don't we pray to God? Lord Jesus, we thank you for we thank you for the cross. Extraordinary injustice. A cause for bitterness and rage forever. And yet we hear your words. Father, forgive. And we thank you. And here we are, Lord, and we are your people, and we sometimes wonder, maybe there have been things we've done. Maybe there have been things that have been done to us. And we write ourselves off because it's just too awful and we give ourselves over to cynicism and anger and rage. And yet you come to us and you say, don't be dull. It doesn't have to be that way. You can be forgiven and you can forgive. Why don't be quiet for a moment? Maybe there's something quite specific that God is wanting to say to you. Here we are, we're your people. Help us to love you deeply. Help us to open our lives to your questioning. And help us to live in the light of your love. In your name.